With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for joining us today on Imagine Publicity on Air. Currently in 2020, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, racial unrest, and a contentious upcoming presidential election. All the ingredients for a blockbuster film, wouldn't you say? Well, today we are going to talk about Make Hollywood Great Again, Cinema in the Era of President Trump by Michael Joles. He's going to examine some of the movies, political and otherwise, that have been released around the Donald Trump presidency. I know you're not going to just want to listen really close to this conversation, but you're also going to get the book and get Michael's in-depth thoughts on each of the films presented in the book. I'm your host, Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com, a boutique social media management company that works with authors, individuals, companies, or nonprofits looking for assistance with their social media presence. Not only do I offer full services um, along those lines, but also training to any of you who prefer to personally handle your own accounts. So that's my plug for the day. (laughs) Let's welcome our guest today, Michael Jones. Happy to have you here, Michael. Delilah, thank you for having me on your show. This is fantastic. I'm I'm just thrilled. This this is really an interesting book, and and I I can't wait to get into it. But first of all, I like listeners to become familiar, especially authors, the the person behind the book, the person who wrote this book. So give us a little bit of your background, like where did you come from? What have you accomplished? What's your next project? You you can take it from there. Well, for your, your your literary audience, I accidentally fell into the world of writing books. I originally, uh, from middle school age, wanted to do filmmaking, be a director, you know, and uh, that had been my career path. And it still is my you know, sort of mindset of what I want to do. And that's what I was sort of on the road to doing through middle school, high school, college, um, and then into my career uh, at doing movies independently, film jobs on, on and off. One of the things along that road was I uh, worked with a professor who had done two books for the University Press of Mississippi's Conversations with Filmmaker series. Now, if there's any film students, film-minded people who listen to this, I guarantee you they have – 
at least two or not, if not three or four of those books on their shelves. And they take a prominent director and they uh, essentially take a, a collection of interviews that that director has given over the course of however long their career is. Um, there's countless of them. I think there's probably about 50, maybe even 60 in the series. So they're very uh, filmmakers, people who are in movies in any way, shape, or form certainly are familiar with that series. I ended up getting to work as an assistant editor on one of them, uh, the book David Fincher Interviews. And luckily, we did that in 2013, came out in 2014, and it was uh, the, the publisher, University Press, knew exactly what they were doing with it. We had it done, and they had us wait hold it for a year came out and it was a hit uh one of the better selling books in their series uh they knew to release it before one of his films came out and david fincher certainly has a following uh, amongst filmmakers and in the process of doing that book i learned the research that one needs to seriously undertake to do a project like that it's one thing when you're in school and you do a class and you research a paper or you research your your assignments another thing when you know this is for uh quote unquote outside of the classroom it's for something more legitimate um than just a paper for a class and then in 2016 uh making movies an opportunity came along to work for a independent publishing company uh, to do a booklet on on another film director, I'm like okay, this is interesting, and that you know sort of opened up that process again, and I started to get more into the swing of writing a book. Did one for them, okay, and then I decided to do another one for them. Uh, this this one being on Steven Spielberg, uh, and <laughs> the month about a month and a half before the book was supposed to come out there were these bizarre problems that started arising and weird things started happening that didn't really make sense. It was running into problems that just didn't, you know, it's like, well, why are they fighting me on this? Why is this uh, an issue? You expect something's going to go wrong at some point. And then that company went bankrupt like that. <laughs> like just, oh, that's what's been going on. They ran out of money and they've been lying. And they've been... So suddenly myself and all these other authors, our books just got <clears throat> canceled. Well, you know, you don't work on a, a book for a year and, and then suddenly find out you're not so kind of right there on the spot was, well, I need to figure this out. <laughs> so suddenly my entire mind shifted to into this publisher slash author mode and ended up putting the book together on my own, finishing it, getting it out there. Um and that was truly for me the moment, although I've been dabbling in this literary world, that was the moment where I shifted in from into a, like this author. Well, people say, oh, you're a writer? Yeah, by accident. I didn't really mean to be one, but it just sort of came together and happened like that. Um, as I said, my career intentions are film, and I still do videos you know, at least a couple times a month, if not more regularly. So that's sort of how I wound up. Now on an author – a podcast show with you. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Well, you know, as you've gone through all of these evolutions of, of the different books that you've written, different subject matters, actually, and how, what does the process look like for you? How, how did America make a, oh, 
make Hollywood great again come about? What was it, what was the idea and the premise behind it? The premise behind the book. Um, well, I, I, I give you a short answer. I can give you a long answer, but the long answer is more entertaining, if I'm being honest. Uh, the long answer came from. I can't believe I'm going to say this. It came from an internet meme. It came from a joke. There's someone, someone took one of the, the, the children's storybooks, the little gold rimmed story. But do you know what I'm referring to? Those, those little oh, yeah. picture books for kids. Yeah. 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 So someone, someone took, you know, that sort of template of one of those gold binded books. And on the cover of the book was a picture of Hitler and he was wearing uh, PJs. And he was sitting on this child sled, and the sled was sliding down this rainbow in the middle of, like, the galaxy. And the cover of the book said, everything on the internet that offends me is Hitler. I thought it was funny just because I was like, yeah, of course. And it's like, I'll throw that up on Facebook. I was at uh, a part-time job I had up in Northbrook Court, um, and by that, you know, by that summer I had become a menace to the mall because it's kind of, you know, during the weekdays it was quiet. So I, of course, would go out and harass everyone else who worked up there. And uh, I put it up on Facebook. And about 45 minutes, one of the other managers walks into the store. She goes, you should write a political book. And I was like, what? You, you should write that. Write what? The thing you just posted on Facebook, moron. I was like, oh, that. And I was like, yeah, you should do something about modern society and, and culture like you think so? Yeah, you you should, man. You have a you have a mouth you can't control. You say things that are inappropriate. You call people out on on being triggered over something. And that was the seed. That was the seed that that kind of started this uh, this you know someone saying to me you should do something with politics. Ugh. You know, I, it's I amazing pay where inspiration in comes from, right? Right, right. It was it was a joke, and so it's like, ah. Oh. Man, politics. Now, see, I followed politics in high school, and then it sort of disappeared. Now, every election cycle, we'll watch the three, technically four debates, you know, all 90 minutes of it. I'll watch them all. I'll pay attention. I have paid attention, but I don't follow it regularly. And it really wasn't until May 2016 because – that, that's when it was loads of fun. Now politics was exciting. And I started paying attention again. So I had been you know, kind of aware of what was going on. That was summer 2018. Come summer 2019, I will never forget this, uh, Instagram. Once again, social media is the battlefield. Scrolling through, and there's someone who I knew of, didn't know him well, saw him perform once or twice. Uh, he made this this post on on the Fourth of July. It was a very shocking image of a of a black man being you know uh, laid like forced to be laying down on a table. And uh, I don't want to be too graphic here. To I don't know what the age limit on, is on listeners here, but someone uh, basically pulling an American flag out from under him. A very graphic image of how America uh, was built on the backs of slaves. It was a well, heartbreaking image, a very powerful image. But what uh, shocked me was the comment that he posted it with this very vulgar uh, F America, you've done nothing for me. This country is terrible. I hope. And I was like, whoa, hold on, hold on. 
you are a black trans stand-up comedian. You get to do that in this country, and the first thing you're going to do is just make this very anti-American post on the 4th of July. I'm not disagreeing with the image. The image is, is profound, a, a powerful image, great image. But this is going to be your attitude? Really? Now, for the record, this guy, I don't know what happened to him, but literally the last I heard was he was doing drag queen dances on Zoom during the lockdown. So that's where his career went. Um, but I just, I got me so mad and I thought maybe I should do something with politics. So about, oh, I don't know, a few days, I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with, with it? And then someone in my brand went, hey, genius. Yeah. You're, you, you write about movies, don't you? Yeah. What do you do on Facebook all the time? Well, I talk about recent movies that come out. Yeah, and what are you always doing? Comparing them to, oh. So that was sort of where the, it kind of clicked. I was like, oh, I should do that. Because you know, you, once you have that knack, I want to do something about modern politics. I want to do something about what's going on. I wanna, but I do movies, and I thought you know, maybe with the literacy, I was ignoring the, the cinematic side of me. And I was, well, why don't you put the two and two together? Oh, I should. And I should call it Make Hollywood Great Again. I don't know what it's going to be about, but I'm certainly that's going to be the title. <laughs> and that's, that was where the inspiration for the book came from. So I just, you know, instantly I knew, well, the post for sure, black Klansman for sure. I had some other movies that I had picked out and that's, that's where the book started. What, what, what do you feel this whole magic connection between politics and Hollywood and celebrities and why is that such a, a popular connection, and where is it going? Well, to answer that, I'm gonna, I will answer your question, but I have to sort of put it aside for, for a second um, in the sense that movies, music, TV, they're always going to reflect society. They're always going – you know, what you have – if you look at uh, a piece of cinema – episode of a tv show look at the decade it came out because what you see in that uh film in that piece of of media if you will it's going to reflect the era even if it's um even if it's a period piece if you look at a movie from the 30s or 40s it's all filmed on a stage it is all sound stages it wasn't until a few decades later where they started making movies on location and films got a whole new literally a breath of fresh air because now we're outside we're outside of a stage you can feel that oh wow it's more on the ground and that was just the era of how media was at the time okay now our if media reflects the culture politics are inevitably going to play into that especially if it's a, uh, an era where politics are hot, if you will, the 70s, Nixon and the impeachment. Uh, I am sure that politics, you know, during the, the 50s, we don't think about it as much. We know it was there, and there were, certain, there were years where it was more heightened than other times. Um, the 90s, interesting how in the 90s, it's the, towards the late 90s, we see more depictions of the second half of the nineties. That is air force one independence day depictions of presidents while we're talking about this possibility of a, of a, of an impeachment. Although I know that Independence Day came out before the impeachment, but it's just a different, 
it, it, you inevitably, it inevitably reflects one or the other. Media tends to put a mirror up to society, and it can't help it half the time. Uh, so I think that's where a lot of it comes from. The second add-on to that is I think if I'm speaking personally, I think it comes from ego, and I don't mean that in a pretentious way. A film I did back in 2012, we made it pretty much all throughout 2012, and we released it in early 2013. It was a documentary about this Catholic priest from from like 1870 to 1920 era. He was about 70 when he died. So, And we were getting, we had the movie about done and right at the very end, and we worked on this thing for you right at the very end. I was like, can you add something into the credits? Sure. Well, what do you got? Cause this is before I knew how to do this myself. So I had, I had to have other people do it for me. Can you add in a line that there's nothing in where he's from? that honors him, the guy turns to me and goes, what? And I was like, yeah, goes, wait a minute, what? stop. We've been working on this for how long, this huge historical piece. It was 30 minutes, but at the time with technology, he goes, you're telling me this guy has nothing named after him? Yeah. No way. It's like, yeah, put it in. Screen the movie for the first time. You could feel the audience get uncomfortable when they read that line in the film. Oh my gosh, what? What, th- this guy who basically founded three, no, wait, hang on, five different institutions? We've forgotten about? It? Yeah, you did. Suddenly my kind of agenda, because I've been saying in the back of my mind for a year, and I thought, let's throw it out there. That's what connected with people. That was the first, and that wasn't really a political statement. I mean, it could be on a local level that they name stuff after other people, but not him. But that's when I realized, oh my God, the message of a of a piece of media is so important of a piece of cinema of of what you're doing so i think that when when it comes to when it comes to movies it's the same thing if there's something that they want to push as an agenda they're going to do so now i don't mean that in a negative way i'm convinced that every stupid comedy that you've ever seen the, the comedies that are just so raunchy and just bizarre there is something in there that they want to uh, push out. It's the same thing with me. If I do a, a silly minute two, I've, I've done two, three minute little comedy skits that I did just to work something, uh, work something out that had been bothering me. I hate the way that a lot of male photographers are towards female, to, towards female models. Not all, but there's certainly a lot of very chauvinistic, very sexist male photographers. I, 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 like, I have to make a video about this. I have to do something that shows that these, these guys for buffoons and clowns are what they are. And it was one of the greatest little videos I've ever – I don't care if anyone else likes it. I'm happy with what it did. And I've showed it to some people like, oh, that's, that's accurate. I think that you, know, you, you come into a world of multimillion dollars, and if they're politically driven, that's going to come through their movies. Exactly, and I think – it, what you just said says is is basically the answer. It, no matter if you're making just a, a small little two minute film or if you're making a, a, a you know a cinematic blockbuster, there's some level of cinematic manipulation. I like that term. 
um, where the filmmaker has their message that they want to get out to the masses, um, and and maybe even in an educational sort of way. I mean, one of the one of the films uh, that you talk about in the book, you know, Black Klansman. I think that particular film it it did a lot for educating a lot of people and whether the culture was sliced and diced the truth for the you know the cinematic presence of of the message it's there and I, a lot of the a lot of the films that we see there is a message and there is an, an educational value to it even even if it's a crappy movie there's something there yeah and and for sure spike lee who i was not familiar with as i should have been before i started this book because i knew right away black clansman had to go into the book um spike lee i don't think is capable of making a movie without a political message in it uh even his first film uh she's gotta have it i had i'd never seen you know, I decided I knew early on, okay, Black Plants is going to be in the book. So I picked up some, uh, uh, again, <laughs> Spike Lee interviews by the University Press of Mississippi, conversation with filmmakers. No, they did not pay me to say that. Uh, picked up that book, grabbed a couple of his movies from the library, and even She's Got to Have It had something in the background about how Ronald Reagan's an idiot. <laughs> ah, it's right there from the beginning. So Spike Lee has made a career. He doesn't, the man does not make a film without politics somewhere embedded into his films. And of course, I mean, it was a given he's going to have a field day with this. Um, He was a huge Obama supporter. Trump is the anti-Obama president. You knew it was coming. (laughs) Boy, I can't wait to see what Spike Lee has to say about this, but you knew it was coming. Um, I have not seen his new film, The Five Bloods, I believe is the proper name of it. I haven't seen it yet. I know it's about the Vietnam War. I'm sure it's. I'm sure he's going to somehow weave that into it. Um, Spike Lee does not make movies, even if it's a period piece. He somehow manages to get in a contemporary point. I'm from Chicago. It was a big deal when Spike Lee made Chirac, and I really do like Chirac. And we laugh because John Cusack is playing a uh, a a priest who everyone in Chicago knows who this individual is and he's doing, they actually shot it in his church. And it was just one of those things where it's like, that is absolute Spike Lee, (laughs) you know, and this priest is known to be very political and he somehow worked it in, gave it a, a a fake. I, I believe John Cusack's character's name was changed for the movie. Um, but they shot it in this priest's church. That priest actually has a uh, voiceover at the very beginning of the film. And it's just one of those things that he always will incorporate politics into his cinema. And that goes all the way back. Even the movies you really wouldn't think. Inside Man. Not really a it, – it's a total blockbuster. It's a total action flick. It's a, it's a great film. You know, even there uh, – it's not hard to find it. How about how? Wait, spoiler alert. I don't know if I want to go into detail. Even though it's a, a, a clean cut action film, you can find the political agenda in it. But I, I don't want to say too much about Inside Man for anyone that hasn't seen it. Right. And, you know, we talk about media and media's role in 
in today's society. And and in the movies that you have in this book, I mean, all of them have some aspect of media. And one of, like the Post, you know, the Post is about the Washington Post, and that is a media operation, obviously. Uh, then, you know, we're looking at Front Runner about the Gary Hart scandal and media aggression, how aggressive the media was to latch on to that scandal and, and ruin his career. Then you go into, mm-hmm. you know, uh, media's rush to judgment in the Richard Jewell film. Um, so media is is kind of like the double-edged sword in all of this, don't you think? Yes. Um, there's something very important about media. I've been saying this to a lot of people recently. I've had a lot of uh, uh, people I know who are who are liberals, and they're calling me up right when I don't know if it's still the Chaz the chop, the thing in Seattle that apparently it alters its name every week. I don't know if it's now being disassembled or whatnot. And it, I, I had to, you know, tell a lot of people this. You know, they were coming. What? Wait, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you, you tell me. But I don't understand their lives and they're saying this. Why this? Why that? So what I've said to people with media right away, I say, okay, look, let me explain something to you. Have you heard the story about the Lincoln Douglas debate? What story? The story after the first debate. They said, no, I haven't heard this. Wait, what story? I was like, oh, hang on. I'll tell you real quick. After the first Lincoln-Douglas debate, uh, at the end of it, uh, Abraham Lincoln was so – he just got winded or something. He just got fatigued. He got exhausted. And he actually um, you know, sort of stumbled, and, and they had to rush people onto – the stage, or I, I, he was probably in an arena. Or I, I, I should know, but I don't know where he was. Anyway, people had to, to kind of rush up and sort of hoist, hoisted up Lincoln to kind of help him off the stage. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what happened. That's what happened in one newspaper, though, because what's funny is that in the other newspaper, after the debate, Lincoln kicked Stephen Douglas's ass, and then the crowd just went nuts, and they rushed to the stage, and they hoisted Lincoln up on their shoulders, and they carried him out in this brand chair. Oh, you're saying yeah. I'm saying that they've been nip- that the news will report it the way they want to report it since Civil War era. What really? Yeah, yes. That's the history of the newspaper. That's how America has operated. Really, for how long? So you know that play Hamilton? Yeah, the musical. Yeah, go read the book it's based off of. No, really. If anyone reads Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, it's in there. They're arguing ideas back and forth in their new quote-unquote newspaper newspapers were a little different back then because i think it was i don't know it was printed once every day or once every two days but they argued ideas in the newspaper this idea of media bias of fake news i'm sorry but this goes all the way back to our founding this is nothing new we just have a new word for it now but the Fox News versus CNN, that's been going on throughout our entire history. So that's number one, the thing that has to be explained right away, is that, no, this is why you know, take any historical figure, any historical figure. I don't care if it's political. I don't care if it's a movie star. I don't care if it's a sports person. I don't care if it's someone from the Roman gladiator days. I don't care if it's someone from the Renaissance. There's more than one biography on any one of these names that we know, because you can look at something from multiple angles. Okay. 
How many books exist on Abraham Lincoln? How many books exist on Leonardo da Vinci? How many books ex- exist on, Ju- on Julius Caesar? Countless, because you can look at history from multi. How many books exist on Jesus, dear Lord? You know, because we can look at history from multiple angles. So that's number one. Anytime we talk about media, you have to understand that it's a multi, multi, uh, as you said, a double-edged sword. It's very true. That's why of, of the movies in the book, the one that I thought really got media correctly was The Front Runner because it told the story from the most honest, straightforward perspective. You see the Washington Post, you see the Miami Herald, and you see the campaign, and you see no one has any idea how to deal with this problem of we need to worry about an extramarital affair. And it's funny because in this generation, are you kidding me? That would be frontline news. That would be, oh my God. But in the time it was, well, you know, and, and again, I don't, if you haven't seen the front runner, definitely worth watching. People said, oh, it's a little dry. I was like, are you kidding me? I guess maybe because it's so straightforward. If you notice the post, it's got, <laughs> he used John Williams, the music, the energetic acting. Spielberg has, um, Spielberg does a lot of steady cam shots. I never really realized that until you go back and watch his films. Very cinematic edge and eye and the way he cuts and edits. The front runner is a little bit more dry present, presented, but I think it gives you an honest look at here's what actually happens because it's, it doesn't take a side. And that's what's really important to any conversation that anyone has about media is to understand, well, what source did you re- – I'll give you one right now. I only learned this a few days ago. I did not know this. I picked up Joe Biden's autobiography. Did you know he had a stutter growing up? He had a stutter growing up. <laughs> like, oh, now I get it. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, now, you know, the gaffes he's so famous for, well, now it all makes sense. This isn't anything new. This is because, well, you know, you would never hear that explained by a media source i had to go and find them on my own so that's the thing is you talk about media you got to look at everything oh right and, and there again a lot of times the truth is sliced and diced and put out there from mm-hmm. from a, a reporter or journalist perspective and it, it's not always supposed to be an opinion i mean the truth is what the truth is and you can't really change it and then in this day and age mm-hmm. of social media uh, and everybody's an, everybody's now an investigative journalist, and they can't yeah. wait to get the scoop, whether it's <laughs> right or wrong. It doesn't matter anymore. So you, you know, wading through all of whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wading through all of that just to find a kernel of truth is an exhausting job. Yeah, and it's too easy to get the story wrong. Uh, this NASCAR driver recently, they he found a noose in his his garage and then i think it was the next day they started superimposing Justy smollett's face on him and it's like i remember seeing that go no he like there's no way he actually well like no that wasn't true they were making a comparison you had to dig the story to realize no he didn't plant the noose in his thing it had been there forever it's in all the garage that's why they're calling well again it a, a picture totally distorted my view you know of of the story of and and a hunt, you you really have to search out the truth, and you have to read multiple sources because once you do, then you get a full rounded picture. You really understand what's going on. Well, and I think that's the beauty of cinema is that you know for 
two hours or however long that particular film might be, you can get an in-depth view of the story, of the characters, of of the message that that particular filmmaker is trying to get across where media today, everything is such, you know, it's like a machine gun of bullets, uh, sound bites and, and shocking this shocking that get the scoop where diluted itself. And what do people believe? What are you supposed to believe now? I mean, trust has gone way down I think trust in media and trust in reporting as far as that goes and and you know that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcasting because you have the opportunity to take however long we talk about it to get the in-depth perspective of of what the guest that I bring on is trying to get across rather than just promoting yourself out there with social media on a constant basis. This is going to give you, I think, an elevated opportunity to get your message across to people um, who are following you. Yeah. You know, multiple, you have to look at multiple uh, uh, ways of, Self-promoting authors pay attention. <laughs> Someone I forget the name of the book, but in the book it was about authors selling themselves, and, and the and the person who wrote the book put in there. Rule number one: I don't want to talk to you unless you are on every platform. I don't mean use every platform. I mean you better have a Pinterest, you better have a Facebook, you better have an Instagram, you better have a Twitter, you better have a Snapchat, you better have a LinkedIn, you better have a, you know, like whoa. She goes, well, it's. Once you are – the point the author was making is once you are on there, that is one more way that you are established on the internet. Now, it doesn't mean like, – like, I, I, I know I have a Pinterest page. I have never used it. <laughs> I made it when I read that. I'm like, cool. I'm sure it's sitting up there. Zero. <laughs> zero followers or whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and especially for authors, you, you have to, to put yourself out there, and you have to look for other venues to, to talk well, I'm, you know, what I have found in working with authors for, you know, many, many years is authors want to write. That's that's their calling. That's what they want to do. They want to write. They don't want to be involved so much in all of the marketing of their product. However, because publishing has changed so much over the years that, you know, you're not going to get an all-expense-paid cross-country tour to to – market your book. It doesn't happen anymore. And and like you just brought up the fact that most publishers, before they'll even look at a book, they're going to look at your social media presence. You know, how many followers do you have? Because that's where you're going to be able to sell your book. Oh, yeah. Uh, 100%. I still, people still to this day, like, oh, yeah, I, I heard you wrote a book about Steven Spielberg. What? Well, social media. Oh, that's right, because you guys saw it even though it was, what, two years ago, three years ago. Well, we still sort of, you know, you, you, here's another thing, all authors. You never stop selling your work. It, it never stops. Here, let's keep it, let me give you a cinematic example. What is the number one most money-making movie of all time? Do you, do you happen to know the answer to that one? Well, I can take a guess. <laughs> Maybe Star guess. Wars. Um I don't know. I don't know. If you 
take the box office gross and you adjust it for inflation, the number one most money-making movie of all time is Gone with the Wind. Now, ah. I think at the moment, if you don't take it away, it's either Titanic, Avatar, or um, Avengers Endgame. I'm not, it's one of those three. But if you, if you flatten out the, uh, the box office inflation, it, it, it is still Gone with the Wind. And a point I make is, have they ever stopped selling that movie? Nope. They've never stopped selling – they've never stopped selling The Wizard of Oz. There is a reason why children know The Wizard of Oz because someone at Warner Brothers or whoever owns Wizard of Oz, Metro MGM, they are still pushing that because they know it will make money. And that's something that uh, I you know, have to remind you know, right off the bat is that you're never going to stop selling your work. Um, and the other thing added on to that as far as with concern with authors, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is this idea – brain freeze. <laughs> Sorry for a moment. <laughs> sidetracked. What was I going to say? Oh, I got caught on the going with the wind uh, piece. Uh, as far as it is with, with authors selling their, their material is that – oh, I remember. No one – I don't care if you're an author, filmmaker, banker, whatever. No one will care as much about your career as you will. And actually, as an author, as an author, thank you. As an author, I had that happen to me. That was one of my first experiences was because I had someone else come in. You know, the the first time with the university press was, that was a different situation. But the first time I did one of my own booklets, left in someone else's hands. Boy, did those lawyers have a fun time when they looked at the numbers and they went, do you realize how much money you're being cheated? A lot? No, okay, a couple hundred, but not that much. Why? Well, because you weren't paying attention. You weren't realizing the lie they were telling you because you let someone else manage this. Wow, you know, imagine four, you know, I think how many authors found that one out, three of us together realizing what was going on. You know, you have to control your own career, especially in movies. We hammered that in very uh, – the, the four off the top of my head that I know, Clint Eastwood, Woody Allen, Tom Cruise, and I believe Mel Gibson, those four – and I know there's more. Probably Tyler Perry is another one. Those four have master control over their films, over what they do, as, even as movie stars. Tom Cruise does not get, uh, does not get hired for a movie. He decides what movies he's going to do. And they have that sort of tight grip over their own career because if, cause here's the thing is that you don't want something to happen to you and you're, you don't, if your career is going to go in the toilet, you want to be able to blame yourself, not something that happened to you. What I'm saying makes sense. So, and that's another thing is that I've had people approach me and they say, hey, can you help my social media? It's like, I can help, but understand, like, let, let me be honest with you. I'm going to not care after a week. I'm going to help you do what you have to do to get you here, but I have no incentive, uh, you know, unless you're even if you're going to pay. Because honestly, money only goes so far. You can pay me whatever; it's still not my baby, if you will. It's still not, you know, you you are the one with the vision. You're the one. You're the one who put the blood, sweat, and tears into your book. You're the one who put all that effort. You see the vision better than anyone else. So, again, that's where authors have a big time selling their their books to to movie studios. 
because oh, they you know, it. I've seen this over and over again, and, and and like you say, people hire you to to basically be them, and you can do that to a point, but there has to come a time when that particular author has to step in and lend their own voice and lend their own sense of caring. I mean, the people who are following you as an author, I can only talk to them so much before they figure out, well, there's a, you know, the wizard behind the curtain over here isn't what it looks like. Um, so I, I totally agree with your statement that, Authors have got to treat their social media, their marketing campaigns. They they have to be involved in it. They're, yes, you need to hire people to help you if that's what it takes because I, I, for one, totally understand the time it takes to write a book, and, and you don't have the amount of time it takes to write a good book plus turn around and, and put the other hat on as a marketer. So yes, you need help, and that's you know that's where I step in. But I I don't like being that person online, and I have done that with a few authors, um, and it it just doesn't it's not successful because fi- people aren't stupid; they figure it out that that's really not who I'm talking to. Right. Yeah. No, that's well, I can. That's wow. Can you, can you imagine they send someone else on in lieu of themselves? Oh, that, no, that's yes, not it happens work. all the time. It happens. You'd be oh, amazed really? at how many, how no many way. social media accounts out there. The person behind it is not even related. But anyway, oh my goodness. And here's another thing, uh, just as a side note, but it's okay to do this when, when, with, with Make Hollywood Great Again. I knew I was going to need help with this thing and not so much writing it, but I hit up some a former coworker and I said, I want your help with this. I don't know anything about books. I was like, you're right. I don't know anything about movies. You're right. You know politics. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. You know politics. You'll actually try and get this book into the political hands because that's where it's got to go i can do the movie stuff that's my realm i know that i know that stuff i need you for the are you sure yeah i'm 100 why am i sitting here talking to you (laughs) so it's okay to to kind of go outside the comfort zone there's someone who didn't know anything about books and you know look at how well that worked out and so it's it's okay to to work outside of that (laughs) i totally agree with that i'm talking to michael little girl voice comes on oh Absolutely. Well, let's circle back to make Hollywood great again. Where do you where do you see the future of this, and and what what projects do you have in the in the cooker right now? Oh gosh, I don't know where I I know where I wanted it to go, but I have to admit this. You know, you're always going to get a surprise, and a make Hollywood great again. I kind of thought this would be possible. I didn't realize how prominent it would be before the book even came out. <laughs> that title would appear on social media and the comments were out of this world because if you know if you are far right you let me put it like this you see a book and people sort of have expectations of what they think the book should be if that makes sense and so far right people saw this and they said oh this is it. This is the book that will name 
all the pedophiles in Hollywood, and we'll burn the city, and we'll expose them all. No, it won't. Sorry. Wait a minute. You're one of them. No, I didn't say that. You're one of them. You must be a this, – this man, this man here, he, 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 he's one of them. He's, he's trafficking children. Good. You keep up with that. Thanks. Meanwhile, the, someone on the far left sees this, and, and, and it's like they, they start having a seizure. Like, oh, oh my god. Oh, my God. You, no, you keep, you keep the orange monster outside of Hollywood. You will not take us out. And then suddenly the Antifa army shows up. You will not do Like, calm down. Did you read it? No, I don't need to read your stuff. Oh, okay, thanks. So that was right off the kit. And it still happens to this day. You're going to post this interview online, and it, if the picture of the book, someone's going to go in there and say something stupid. I don't far right, far left. Someone's going to go in there and say something ridiculously dumb. So that was well, that's just a fine like, example of judging a book by its cover, and you didn't even read it. <laughs> ultimate judge a book by its cover. Because anyone that has read the book like, this is for a film class. Yep. Yeah, sorry, it's really boring. <laughs> so, not what you guys were were hoping for. Um, so, I I truly did not I, find I, it boring. But I love movies and I love film. And and I think you know anybody out there that's listening, if if you if you love to sit and watch movies as I do, you're going to like this book. I think that it, it brings out a lot of good points, in, in my opinion, especially, you know, the, the films that you've, you've presented in the book and gone in depth to how, how relatable it is. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. What was funny was that when we were sending out the manuscript, American critics didn't want to touch it. It was just when they're like, nope, I'm busy. I can't look at it. But Critics outside of the U.S. were not frightful of it. They they were like, sure, I'll read it. Most of my, you know, the first sort of good press I got about the book all came from not everyone, but most of them were coming from England. Um, most of them were coming from people who were not from America because they just like films. They don't have this sort of, you know, the, oh my god, you know, whatever trepidation to it. Jeez, those emails were priceless. The things that people wrote back to us, the critics who wouldn't, you know, you know who were like apprehensive. They thought this was like a hoax or something like that. Um, so British, the one from Nova Scotia, you know, they all were like, oh, yeah, no, it's about – this is an actual cinematic study. It's like, yeah, it's for a, a classroom. I throw a lot of history in it or modern history, modern politics. But I, as I said in the book, I am doing this straight. I am doing this straightforward. We're going to have a legitimate conversation. I will acknowledge where politics are, what the agenda is, but I'm not going to condemn any. I think the, the, the one time that I had to call out was actually in Black Klansman. There is a mistake. There is a historical inaccuracy in the film that I pointed out, and I said, hey, here's what it is. Here's where it's wrong. Here's the truth. But for the record, this conservative also got it wrong too. So I, try and I, I want to be very fair because if you, if you do something from a political standpoint – or, or where it openly comes from agenda, you're going to turn people off right away. Um, and I've actually found in reading a lot about the mod, you know, a lot about modern politics, I've found that books about the Trump White House that are pro-Trump and books that are anti-Trump, there's actually a lot of similarities between the two. Um, they're obviously going to present the story. As they want to, but a lot there's a plenty of similarities. But the two ways you can, you know, it's the same story, but it's how they want to present it. Either he's a 
a maniac who's, you know, frustrated, or he's someone who is moving faster than his staff can keep up with him. So, and it's like, and it's kind of the same thing, but if you present a book, you know, so many people, oh, I won't read that because Fox News told me not to. I won't read that because MSNBC told me not to. Actually, I think you should pick it up and read it. If some, if, if you are, you know, I don't want to use John Bolton's book because that's in the press right now. And I think I get to the national security issues, but like, you know, unless the book is absolutely panned for historical inaccuracies, unless it's absolutely proven to have stuff in it that is not true, then that's a different story. But, you know, if someone's really going to attack it and you, you believe that, I would pick it up and read it. You might learn something. It might open your eyes to something you haven't really looked at yet. I hope that makes sense. Well, I think that, you know, I think that statement goes towards the climate in our country right now. We're very divided and, you know, whether you blame Trump for that or don't blame Trump for that, it's 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 a fact. It's we're a very divided country right now, and you can see it all over social media. Just like like you said, uh, on the political right or the political left, it you know it's one way or the other, and everyone's out to prove that they're right and you're wrong, and and it just gets exhausting. Um, and and where is the truth in all of that? everybody can believe what they want to. It's a free country and that's what we're all about. Believe what you want, but where is the truth in it? This is, is really the exhausting thing, trying to find that kernel of truth in all of the unrest and all of the political back and forth. So this is, this is, this upcoming election is going to be quite interesting for on many levels. Don't you think? Uh, I, I, I still, honestly, I thought it was going to be Bernie the entire time. So I'm still sitting here going, wow. <laughs> well, I still can't get over. I remember one after candidate after another, Biden, 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 Biden. I went, okay, so what's the plan? Because <laughs> I didn't see that one coming by a mile. Uh, yeah, I was just sitting here watching the vice presidential thing like, Oh, this is it's, it's very interesting. It's very very interesting to watch that uh, unfold. I don't really know what to. And the other thing is, like, you're gonna put Biden on stage with Trump. Like, everyone knows that's a horrible idea. Like, don't do that. <laughs> I remember, I, honestly, one of the most exciting political moments for me was that second debate when was because of you know the the, the audio had just come out the previous day. And I, I never when he turned and just started snapping into Anderson Cooper, I went, "Oh my God, whoa!" So I'm thinking, the Democrats are really going to put Biden, who, let's be honest, he jumbles his like, what is the point? So I mean, at this point, I, it kind of feels like that's where it's heading. You, you know, where I drive around, and you start seeing Biden for president stickers and lawn signs pop up. Um, but I, I wouldn't put it past him to have something weird happen where suddenly it's another candidate who shows up at the mm-hmm. last minute. Um, maybe. Well, I, so, I you know, so somebody's going to make point. the movie about all of this. It's going to be, you know, down the road. I, I can feel it coming. There will be a movie made about this. Well, the, now that our time is winding down, let's tell people where can they pick up a copy of make Hollywood great again? Uh, I, it is on Amazon. Uh, Kindle paperback, and there is a large print of the book if you are 
like me and appreciate large prints. Uh, the book should be available at Barnes and Noble. If not currently, it will be soon. Uh, and I know that uh, Amazon has it set up where other bookstores will be able to pick it up, but it is on, it is on Amazon for sure under those three formats. Wonderful. And do you have a website, Michael? I do not, uh, but if you Google me, there's a Facebook, Twitter, an Instagram, a LinkedIn, so you're all over. and an IMDb. So it's all it's all out there somewhere. Great. And um, is there anything in the back of your head that you want to be sure that listeners take away from this conversation today? Uh, you should all go out and buy the book. In fact, you should go buy three copies of the book. Uh, that's number one. Number two, <laughs> honestly, if there's any listeners out there, uh, the one thing I, I said it before, I'll say it again. Um, do yourself a favor because no one is really going to have their if – you're, if you're stuck in one political point of view, do yourself a favor and go pick up something from the other side because you will be shocked at what you learn. You will be shocked at how much you learn if you stop for a moment and go look at what someone else has to say because it will just blow your mind in, in understanding things that, oh, I didn't know that. You know, I've, I've pushed that on, on everyone. I know many – have you read the book on the Women's March? No, you need to read that book. Why? You'll understand. You'll thank me. But they're just – no, you, stop saying they're just – understand what they're thinking, understand their mentality, understand where they're coming from. Even say that about people who I hate Trump. Really? Go pick up his campaign book. Go pick up his whatever. Go pick up his self help book. It will explain a lot of stuff that you are writing off as whatever it might be. So that would be the main message that I, I pushed and I put that even in the Make Hollywood Great Again too. You know, don't just look at one. We have three movies about media, the post, front runner, Richard Jewell, three very different filmmakers. Look at what they're how they present media. So, I love that. I love that, and I think you're right. Is if more people would take a look at the other side, dig a little deeper than just the headlines, dig a little deeper than what you're seeing on your friends' Facebook posts and and what their opinions are. Form your own opinions. Educate yourself and and dig deep. Um, I'm really really excited to get this interview out there, Michael. This has been a lot of fun <laughs> and very enlightening, very enlightening. And I got to say, I, I totally enjoyed the book. Um, and I hope listeners go out and pick up three or four copies, give them to your friends yeah, and <laughs> let everyone enjoy it. Make Hollywood great again. Again, thanks a lot, Michael, for coming on air today. You, um, everybody, as you go out there in this big, big mean bad world that uh, there is a little good out there somewhere you just you'll find it just keep your head up and most important be kind to each other
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.